Fast Forward Productions. The women are speaking. Welcome to another episode of So Mind-Boggling Journeys. I'm your host, Bettina Goolsby. I'm an actor and dreamer slash creative continuing to go after my dreams. So much of this journey is just so mind-boggling, hence the title, for either reasons of utter disappointment or the manifestation beyond what I could have ever imagined. Follow along as I check in with other creatives along the way and learn what so mind-boggling things they have to say and what it's like pursuing the dream while living the in-between. Hey y'all, on today's episode, I chat with Miriam Morales, an actor, lifestyle creator, and writer. Miriam and I met through mutual actor friends. Now, one of the main reasons why I wanted to chat with Miriam is because she has created an interesting balance between being an actor and a content creator and influencer, all while maintaining a full-time job. I call her a one-woman production company as she shares innovative content in the beauty space and the how-to-create space. I'm in awe of the strategy, the execution, the edit, and the marketing that seems to be effortless for her. Be sure to check out her Instagram and YouTube channels found in the show notes. Now, we also talk about what it felt like to get that first major booking on the hit show and cult fave, Orange is a New Black. And we talk about how she celebrated a milestone birthday. Here is Miriam Morales. Thank you so much for joining me here on my podcast. Let's say hello first. Hello, Miriam. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having me. So I want to talk to you about being an actor, of course, and just your journey with that. And then you call yourself a lifestyle creator to everyone listening. She's like a social media influencer and then also a writer. You're also a creator of narrative. Yes. I would say I'm on my way to that. (laughs) We're going to speak that into existence. Yes, you are. You absolutely are. And especially after seeing your social media content, I'm like, wait, you're, you really are a one woman production team. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. So let's just, so since we're there, let's just dive right into that. To the one person team. (laughs) I mean, cause are you, you're shooting it with your phone and then it looked like you were also re-recording audio and editing everything on your phone? Sometimes I do record on my phone. Sometimes I record on my Canon. I mean, I would say like 95% of the time it is my phone. But yeah, I record on my phone, edit. And if I need to record the voiceover, I do it on my phone. I create my graphics separately. And then I just import everything back into my phone and put it together. Oh my gosh. (laughs) (laughs) I was watching your YouTube show. It was like Productive Influencer. And I mean, I knew that it was a lot of work. Okay, so Miriam takes you behind the scenes, like a day in the life of creating content for reels. It's like an all day. It's kind of like we're starting first thing in the morning and this is our to-do list for the day. And it's literally like, I'm going to go ahead and, you know, respond to emails first so that I won't be distracted while she's creating her content. She's choosing music. She's choosing backdrops. She's shooting it. She's editing it. I mean, I just was like, wait, this is a full-time job, it looked like. It is. When I'm in between jobs, like literal acting jobs or just, you know, what I like to call big girl jobs, like nine to five jobs, I try to take advantage of that downtime as much as possible and create the content that I want to create because it is so time consuming. And I do, I like to share vlogs like that day in the life from, you know, beginning of my day till the end so that people can see just how much goes into it. Because I think people do underestimate how time consuming it is to create content, whether you call yourself an influencer 
a content creator or not. Just creating content, period, is very time consuming. And a lot of it is the unseen work that we have to do and keep up. Yes. You know, there's, you have a lot of episodes, right? You have a lot of content. So it looks like you're constantly pumping it out and pumping it out and pumping it out. Cause that's a big part of it, right? Is the consistency part? Yeah. I used to coach. Well, I still, I guess you could say I could still, I still coach. <laughs> like I help other people with their, with their content. But I always say that we should be careful not to confuse consistency with frequency for everyone, each individual person to define what consistency means for them and not to base that on anyone else's definition of consistency or what they see on social media. Because there are some people that can pump out a piece of content every single day or like post every single day on whatever platform or twice a day. But if you can only do like twice a week, then that's fine. It's, it's just important that you're consistent with that as much as possible. However, I also believe that when you feel you need to take a break, like a social media break, which I think is really important, then you do that because your mental health comes before any of these platforms. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. I was going to ask you, okay, so what if you just post like once a month? Is it like, okay, well then be consistent with it so that everybody knows you're posting once a month or whatever? Yeah. And there are other ways to be active on the platform or on any platform without having to post, you know, like in the feed, like for Instagram, even if you don't post every day or every week on the feed and you only want to do once a month, you can still post to stories. You can still be engaging with other people. You can be active on another platform that you're just having more fun with at the time or that fits into your schedule better for that moment in your life. That's totally fine and doable as well. Okay. So going back to you creating all this content for Instagram. So how are you thinking about, you know, using and writing the kind con- like narrative and then doing the same thing and creating your own like little short film, for instance, or episode? So that's interesting that you asked about that because I kind of took a tad step back from Instagram this year only because I felt like if you're not careful, it can just consume you. And I wanted to put all of that time and effort into other areas that I really wanted to focus on. But I really tried to just be realistic with my time and what my mental capacity is in the moment. Like I used to create like a monthly content calendar for myself and I was very consistent with that. And then that just became difficult to do with big girl job. So then I'm like, okay, let me just do a weekly content calendar and try to be consistent with that. And if I need to shift things, you know, I shift things, but it definitely changes a lot just based on what I already have on my plate. And I just, I think about what are the questions that people ask me all the time and create content around that. I'll look at my data and analytics and see what people seem to like. And I also just do it based on what I like to talk about and just keep it very real and as authentic as possible. Now, when you say keep it as real and as authentic as possible, when people say that, it's like, what does that really actually mean? Because if you're filming in your apartment, wouldn't that just automatically be real and authentic? Because it's like you're you're in your space, you are as you are. Yeah, that's one way to, to look at it. For me, when I say as real and authentic as possible. I mean, there's also like this fine line of what to keep private and what I'm comfortable sharing. So, you know, I can think I'm being authentic and real with the content that I'm putting out, what I say and how I present myself. And someone else may think completely different. And that's, you know, that's totally fine. But for me, it's just being authentic in how I am 
in the moment and what I'm feeling. If I don't feel like posting, even if that piece of content is ready to go and it's all edited, I'm not going to post. I'm just not going to do it. If I'm feeling sad or depressed, I'm not going to post on stories. I'm not going to turn on the camera and talk to anyone. There are some people that will do that. I'm not saying it's not genuine. I'm just saying I'm the type of person when I have something going on in my life or a family member and I'm like, really sad or I'm depressed or someone passed away or whatever it may be, if I cannot show up fully as myself, I'm not turning on the camera. I'm not doing that. And I live in a very small New York City apartment. So for me, that means also like, if I have a mess, I have a mess. I'll try to clean up, but like, this is real life. (laughs) Sometimes it looks crazy. Oh, I love that. No. Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. It's like, you just kind of show whatever and like the real of what's happening even in your space yes okay you know because so so often I worked very briefly in marketing for social media for a company like you know a magazine many many years ago and it was like for like two weeks or whatever and I remember there being this calendar and it's like you would adhere to the calendar and so it's interesting when you're your own boss and influencer right it's kind of like you you have a little bit more grace there you don't have to be so like oh well no this is the business I have to do this on this schedule you can also take into your own emotional being and I think that's a great perk of of being your own boss slash working for yourself, being an influencer, because that's a really nice thing to do where you can incorporate your own mental health and just take care of yourself the way that you need to take care of yourself. For sure. And even if I'm not like a full-time influencer and I'm not making X amount of money, like I don't care about that. I'm not creating content for that. I've been creating content before I even knew we could monetize it or there was an ability to monetize it. I did it because I genuinely love it and I like to share. But... I do think like the past couple of years is more of a focus on just being more realistic with social media and taking care of your emotional and mental health. And I'm glad that we're finally there because I just don't think it's ever worth it. And plus, we don't control these platforms. So I don't see the point in getting lost in them. No. And to your point, it is so easy to get lost. My gosh. You know, you can go deeper and deeper and deeper. Let's back up and, you know, go to the beginning because before you became a social media influencer and before you were acting, I believe you were working in corporate jobs, correct? And then you made the decision to move into acting. I've actually always been pursuing acting since I was a kid. I went to conservatory after high school, a two-year conservatory, took a year off, worked, transferred to Fordham University, basically had to start over because they didn't take my credits from conservatory. So I had to stay there for two years. I mean, I had to stay there for four years when I thought it only had to be two years. I was interning for talent agents at the time, and they let me stay until I found a full-time job. But it, it wasn't like acting came first or the corporate job came first. Like I've always just had acting and then like whatever jobs. And so how do you make that work in terms of auditioning, but then also what happens when you book something? So my first full-time big girl job <laughs> out of college was also my first ad agency. And as you can imagine, it was the first of many things. So that was actually really difficult because I just didn't have a clue. It wasn't like I could ask someone, you know, like for advice. So I kept it a secret, but something that I did at all of my jobs was at least have one person that I truly felt I could trust to tell them that I was an actor so that they could kind of like cover for me if I had to sneak out during lunch because that's what I would do to go on 
an audition if it was a little bit, you know, took more time than I thought, then I had someone to just, you know, say, oh, Miriam's here or whatever, if they were to ask. But it is challenging. I mean, I did what I could if, if it was an early morning audition. I just went to my audition and went to work late. And if I can sneak out during lunch, then that's what I did. And if it was after work, then that's what I did. Auditions after work. And if I book something, I just called out. Oh my gosh, Miriam, I am in the same boat in terms of like, I don't always share that I am an auditioning. Well, actually, I'm not auditioning at the moment. I'm actually taking a break. But, you know, I, I don't share that I am an actor with everyone that I freelance with. I know why I don't. I'm curious to hear why you don't always share as well. So when I first started applying for full-time jobs after college, you know, in the education section of your resume, I kept my conservatory on there because I just didn't ever think to remove it. I quickly realized when I would go on interviews, they would ask, oh, what's that? What's the American Academy of Dramatic Arts? And I would tell them, they're like, oh, so you're a trained actor. And I'd say, yeah. And I just saw the change in their face and in their tone. And I was like, oh, I think I should probably remove this from my resume. So I removed it from my resume so that it wouldn't come up. And then at my first ad job, I forgot how it came out, but it came out that I was, you know, an actor. And one of my coworkers, he was really cool about it. And he was like, look, take it from me. He's like, this is just me. He's like, but being here at this place for X amount of years, you know, some people like to come here, actors and models, because they think they're going to get casted in our commercials. So I just wouldn't say anything to anyone. And that wasn't even a thought in my head. I just needed a job to pay the bills. <laughs> like I was not thinking, oh yeah, I can work at an ad agency and be in their commercials. I just never even thought of that. I was like, Number one, it's a job. Number two, it's an experience on a different side of the industry. And for me, it's always about learning. Like, what else can I learn about that's related to what I want to do, but not necessarily the same exact thing? That just kind of stayed with me. And I, I always find it very interesting and telling how people speak about actors when they don't think that they're in, in the company of one. And I guess it's the thing of what that we could like book something and then just leave yeah or they don't trust that we're reliable yeah so interesting because i think of a mutual friend of ours marshall thurman who's actually has been on the podcast she was on last seasons and when i think about her she has worked at the same company for so many years and they know that she acts right now her film the black white and the grays is like on the festival circuit something heavy winning all the awards shout out to marshall congratulations girl yes I'm so happy for her. <laughs> yes, and you went to one of the screenings. I haven't seen it yet, but you've seen it. Yeah, I've seen it twice. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. So I'm looking out for the next screenings that she's going to have for that. But my point in bringing her up, it was the fact that, you know, she's worked so many years at this job and she's been able to share who she is and that she always has a place where she can come back to them. And I'm like, okay, is that because obviously because she does great work, right? But it's like, how did she even start from that point where you can, I mean, I guess, I guess after you show yourself and you show that you do great work, then you could be like, hey, FYI, I don't know if you knew, but, you know, I do this other thing, you know. Right. I was just about to say that I think it's after some time because then you've already proven to them that you've been doing this other thing this entire time and you were still capable and reliable and 
whatever, whatever they think. But initially, that's always hard and it's it's a risk. And I think each person, you know, you just decide, is that a risk worth taking at the very beginning of a job? Or do you wait and I think you feel it out and you feel energy and vibes and you make a decision. And so then do you also kind of get it on the other end then with from your actor friends who are just pursuing acting full time? They're not doing like a career corporate type of job. Do they kind of give you a little bit of like, oh, are you really focusing on your art? Can you really focus on your craft when you're also doing the corporate job? Not anymore, but I will say Back when I first graduated college, there were a couple of people that I would meet in the industry, you know, just doing projects with them. And they had that mentality, which I never really understood (laughs) because, I mean, a full-time job gives us so much just as people, but as actors. But I do think things have changed so much in the last couple of years since the pandemic that I think more people are becoming more flexible with having a full-time job, like deciding to take on a full-time job while pursuing acting. So I don't really get that anymore at all, honestly, which is nice because in the beginning it was always like, are you even a real actor if you have a full-time job? And it's like, why wouldn't I be? Like, It's so ridiculous. It's such a weird way of thinking. Absolutely. And I would always think like, well, and how do you actually take care of yourself? Now, mind you now, I've done it all different types of ways in terms of like, you know, full time, part time, no time. Like I've tried it all. So I feel like, you know, I can speak to all of it. But now that I am working a full time job right now, I'm still in the freelancer category, but I'm working full time. And I'm like, oh, like there is a lot of relief in terms of being able to take care of like the monthly bills. And I love that I can also kind of, you know, invest actually more into my creative projects like this, like the podcast. So do you feel that you're also able to then funnel some of that money into your influencer career as well? I prefer to funnel the money towards my acting and writing. Okay. And how so? So if I need to get new headshots, that's where the money's going to go. If there's a class I want to take, whether it's an acting class on camera, a workshop on how to raise money for funds, because a friend and I wrote a film and we need to raise money. And we're so cautious to start a GoFundMe or a Seed and Spark because we are also very aware that people are going through difficult times and we feel bad asking people for money to help us make a film. So if I need to take a class on how to write grant proposals or to submit to grants and things like that, then That's where I prefer for the money to go. If I need to book a location for something, I just rather have that money go there first and foremost for my acting career and like producing aspirations, tech, et cetera. Of course, those things can always work in the influencer space. You need a camera, you need a mic, you need whatever. But my first thought has been for acting. Like that's where the money goes and, you know, savings, of course, and other little things. But I, influencer stuff was never like at the top of the list. Okay. And with your corporate job, there's other perks in terms of being able to start a 401k and maybe some investment. I bring that up just because I have 401ks through my corporate job. And I wonder, I mean, I'm trying to think, would I have had it (laughs) if I were not associated? I think I know what you're saying. It's almost like if we didn't have these full-time jobs, would we even know to start a 401k? I think the information is out there now, but I mean, I don't know about you, but the, the like that never even came up ever. No, it didn't. 
it didn't. It, and I and I was like, oh, was that something that I should have thought about? Because for the longest when I was just acting full time, I mean, there wasn't even money to go into that. <laughs> I was literally just trying to like stay afloat month to month, you know? So yeah, maybe that's why. Because I'm like, I didn't, wasn't even thinking about this. I mean, it just wasn't even on my radar, you know? But with these for corporate jobs, it kind of is just there. And so it feels like, okay, well, at least I'm doing something, contributing something to the future. Okay, so take us back to when you booked the character of Pidge on Orange is the New Black. Where were you? What were you doing? How did you audition for? Where were you when you got the phone call? All the things. All the things. (laughs) So that happened a few months after my contract had ended at one of my jobs. And I was interviewing within the company, but... For the first time ever, I had this feeling like I just needed to focus on acting and not worry about getting a full-time job. I've always had that pressure to have a full-time job and to like help out in the house, you know, things like that. But I don't know, something just told me just try it, which was very scary. <laughs> so I talked about it with my partner and we're like, okay, I'm going to give it like six months because, you know, that's all you get in unemployment. So... <laughs> let's be real that's what I did but then I noticed like a few months in I was like wait I'm not really focusing on it because then I started doing small freelance gigs and helping former co-workers with things and things like that and I was like whoa the point of me taking this time was to truly focus on myself so I had to stop doing those things and really focus on just auditioning and self-submitting myself. I did have a manager at the time, but I only had a manager and I was still doing things on my own from time to time. And I had wanted to be on Orange since the first season. And it came up so randomly. I had a weird conversation with my manager at the time and I couldn't afford headshots. And she wanted me to get pictures. And I was like, I can't afford to take pictures right now. (laughs) And my pictures weren't even old at the time. So it was very much one of those conversations like, we'll figure out how to get money and get new pictures. And then we could talk. Miriam, can we do a quick sidebar on that? Yes. Because what is that? I feel like that is the answer to every question of like, hey, where, what's going on with bookings or auditions? And hey, can you submit me for this or that? It's always kind of like, you need new pictures, you need new pictures. And I'm like, is it really? <laughs> I know. It's, you know what? It, I'll be honest with you. I, I think it's a combination of things. I think it's a combination of, and this took me a really long time to realize or to even like accept that it was a thing. But, you know, you go through this journey, you meet other people and you have conversations and then you learn like, oh, I guess this is real. I think after a while, there's only so much that your reps can do. Like they just hit a wall and that's their default. It's either pictures or classes. And and not to say that I'm against any of those things because I'm not. But it always just seems like, uh, well, you need new pictures. (laughs) Yeah. And then something that came up for me, I was submitted for something and I was like, oh, what picture did you use? Because I was curious. It was just like, it wasn't a character that I thought I would go in for. And they shared the picture with me. And I was like, why are you sharing a picture from like seven years ago? I don't even look like that. So that's another thing I wonder too. Like, are you submitting the right picture? Because maybe you're just not submitting the right picture, which is a whole other issue. (laughs) 
Yeah. <laughs> but I was just thinking, because I feel like a lot of people that are working, steadily working, they're not doing the whole picture game. They're not doing the whole like, oh, I need to update these shots and that shots. And, you know, for us, it, a lot of it's also just kind of, I guess, our generation and a lot of it's kind of fun and a way to kind of show creativity, right, is to have a bunch of different shots. But it's also like, I don't know, I wonder sometimes if it's like, if it really comes down to that. I think for the ones that are already working and like they're consistently working, no, because they're, for lack of a better word or phrase, like they're in. But for those of us that are still just not there yet, I just think that that's the default is like, oh, well, you need new pictures or you got to like freshen up. And I, and I do believe you have to freshen up your materials every so often. But at that time, I was like, I literally just took pictures like six months ago. Like what? <laughs> so it was a little bit frustrating to hear that. Ironically enough, I got a text message and my manager was asking me my height and I was like, why? <laughs> so I got this breakdown, came out for Orange is the New Black. The characters just described as very short and I'm like, that's it. <laughs> so I was like, well, why are you even texting me? Like, you know, I want to go out for the show. Just like, just send it. So at this point, I had already auditioned for Orange. So this is like my second audition and... I got the size. They were super short. It was literally just one line in every scene. And every scene was just my line. So I didn't have the moment before, like a line before them or a line after. I had to create that. So I worked with Ellen Marshall to coach me on my audition, even though it was like so short. And it, initially I didn't even want to coach, but my manager was like, no, you have to coach. I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to Ellen because I know Ellen for years. I knew that she could, you know, she could help me. So I worked with her literally like two and a half hours before my audition. That was the only time we were both available. We worked on creating these moments since all I had was my one line for each scene. And I like went home super fast changed went downtown <laughs> to my audition i remember it was a thursday and i remember that the new season of orange was dropping at midnight so basically friday how exciting you had the energy from that also kind of like feed me right well here's the thing people always say like tv moves really fast if you don't hear within a day you didn't book it so by friday i was already depressed because i was like i didn't hear anything <laughs> <laughs> so I was sad. I was binging the season throughout the entire weekend and just like, oh, man, another season. I'm not going to be on it, you know. So by Monday morning, I kind of forgot about my audition. It was like past 11 o'clock, I think it was. And I was like, oh, I guess I should look at my phone. And I looked at my phone and I had missed calls and text messages from my manager. And I was like, what? What? You like, what's happening? So I just called her back right away. I didn't even read the text messages. And she said, you booked it. And I completely forgot. I said, I booked what? <laughs> I was just like, I was just like, not, you know, I booked what? And she said, you booked it. You booked it. You're pitch. And then like, it kind of hit me. But I, I remember being in a daze in that moment. And my boyfriend was like there and he was like asking me like, what happened? What happened? What happened? What'd she say? What'd she say? What'd she say? And I just like just started crying like a silent cry. And I think he knew what that meant. And he's a photographer. So he's like snapping away <laughs> at me like hysterical crying. And then it just, you know, everything just moves so fast after that. You go from crying because you booked it to scheduling a fitting and then you're on set. Okay. And so how was that? What was, the, I mean, did that even feel real actually being on set with your 10 toes 
planted on the set and on the ground? Absolutely not. (laughs) It just, it did not. It was very surreal. And I mean, I, I think about it now and I'm like, oh, I wish I was more in the moment to like soak it in. But you don't know that at the time, you know, you're just so excited and you're nervous and you're this and you're that. And at the time, I didn't know the character would be on for as long as it was. I literally thought it was like an episode, maybe two. So I wasn't even thinking of anything else. But it was pretty great. (laughs) Yes. Oh, gosh. Okay. So then you're on set and you're shooting this, you know, and you are, I mean, everything, I guess, is working out because there's not like a corporation or a job that's like pulling at you. You can actually be just fully in actor mode. Yeah, exactly. And it was the first time I ever had that. Ooh, the first time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was weird because like... I think people think this industry has changed so much. You could literally be a series regular or a recur and only work like one or two days a week. I think people have this theory that you're just like on set all the time, like 24, 7, 365. So technically, if I wanted to get a part time job, like I could, I guess. But it was the first time that I didn't have anything. And it was so incredibly liberating to not have that burden that worry that anxiety that anything like I could literally just be an actor and just have that as my focus and my worry and my anxiety you know what I mean like there was nothing else I can I can just be in the moment as much as possible with that oh my goodness and so what was that like you know Orange is the New Black had you know Adrian Seymour Taylor Schilling Uzo Aduba Danielle Brooks I mean how was that you know Elizabeth Rodriguez like how what was that like we're being on set with these women so season four there were a handful of new blood like new inmates but I didn't know that at the time we weren't aware of each other until much later in the season and being on set is not like being in an office where you know you have cubicles right next to each other so unless I had a scene with someone I did not see anyone maybe it was in passing yeah, because when you think back to it, a lot of those scenes, it seems like they were like in the cafeteria. But I guess when you get the close ups, a lot of times that would just be you and the other actor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say like my first day on set, I had a scene. Jessica Pimentel was there. So that was nice. It was super, super, super friendly and like welcoming. And you're part of the family, you know, that whole thing. So it was really nice. But I really didn't have scenes with anyone until halfway through season four or like, you know, more towards the end of season four. But yeah, in the beginning, it was just a lot of just being with the new people. Well, some of the new people, not all of the new people. <laughs> because, like I said, we, we didn't have any clue about one another until like episode eight of season four. And so you ended up being on like 25 episodes. Is that right? Yeah. Oh my goodness. And so, and how, over how much time was that? So two seasons. Two seasons. And I mean, could you have ever imagined, you said that you thought, you know, you were going to just be doing one episode and then to actually do 25 each time where you're like, okay, I hope they bring you back. I hope I br- they bring you back. Yeah, it's anxiety. <laughs> it's pure anxiety every time. You're like, oh my goodness, am I going to be the next episode? I'm going to be the next episode, you know? You don't know. <laughs> right. 
So after you do something so amazing as 25 episodes of Orange is a New Black, and then the show ends, and then you're back out there and you're auditioning, I mean, what's that like then to have a hit show on your belt going back into the auditioning game? Well, in between season four and season five, you don't stop auditioning. You still audition because that was only a recur. So I was still auditioning throughout the show. Obviously, you audition more in between seasons. It, It does help. But I also think that other people think like things just come so much easier to you. And I just think that everyone has a different story and a different experience. I would say there were more opportunities in the beginning than at the end. In the beginning, you mean as in like when you started with season four? Like once it came out. Oh, 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 got you. Yeah. But then once season five was over and I wasn't back for season six or season seven, it's like it's start over again. Right. Now, did you even think that it would be different? Because in my mind, you know, I'm an actor and I know how that is, how people will think that certain things just kind of come easy and then they don't. But in my mind, I always kind of felt like, oh, once I book this thing or like, you know, if it was a commercial, oh, once I book this commercial, oh, now I'm going to be booking commercials regularly. (laughs) And then when that didn't happen, it was still like, you know, I would maybe get a few auditions a year. And I'm like, wait, why am I not just always auditioning for commercials? since I just had that commercial out, you know? So was there a part of you that felt like, oh no, it's now going to be like rolling in? I don't know. I think I kind of had mixed feelings. I think there was a part of me that was hopeful, but there's also this side of me that was just trying to be very realistic and not get too attached to something that I don't even know was going to happen. I remember at one, I remember at the screening of season four, someone said to me like you know your life is going to change tomorrow because it was like we had the premiere the the night before the season was going to be out and I was like well I don't know that actually (laughs) you know like I don't know if my life is going to change and I think social media has a huge part of that now I, I I didn't grow as much as my other new castmates did you know on social so I don't think I had that much of a I don't know, life-changing moment, I guess you could say. You know, I didn't feel like... People would tell me, like, oh, be careful when you go to the gym. Be careful when you go grocery shopping. People are going to look at you, like, stuff like that. And I was like, ain't nobody looking at me. (laughs) Like, no one is going to look at me. (laughs) Well, it's funny because, yeah, so the reason why I'm asking you that is because when I looked... The Nathan's hot dog commercial. And I feel like it came out of like nowhere and it was right after COVID. And I was like, oh my gosh, like there's life after COVID. Whoa, you know, and it was found out that Andy Cohen was going to be the host, you know, and I don't know, there was just, you know, we're shooting in the Hamptons, you know, and it was just like, whoa, all these like really cool things just all of a sudden started coming really, really fast and kind of like on a different level, I guess, so to speak, right from like the normal auditioning grind. And so in my mind, I was like, oh, great. Like now I'm going to be getting like great auditions, more commercial auditions, and things are going to like pick up and they're going to be great. You know, I mean, yeah, it is Nathan's, which is like hot dogs, but you know what I mean? Like a good brand name. And so girl, I want to say that might've been my last major commercial audition. Okay. And (laughs) that was in 2020, girl. We are now at the end of October of 2022. Okay. (laughs) Listen, the industry has changed a lot. So I'm like, hello, where where are the auditions? Like, what is going on? Yeah, it's changed a lot. So I don't put that on that. <laughs> 
Yeah. And I have been trying to, you know, spend a little bit more time on this, my podcast, because, you know, girl, truth be told, girl, I had, I've just been a little bit jaded with this auditioning game and scene. And so I just feel like I had audition burnout. And so I'm just in a space right now where I'm like, let me just chill for a second and focus on things that I get excited about because I think the auditioning scene and the grind was actually taking the fun out of it for me, you know? Yeah. And and that's okay too, because, you know, when you learn about other actors that suddenly are like back in the game after X amount of years or, you know, you read about them, you watch an interview, whatever. Everyone has had a moment where it was kind of slow, whether it was in, like the industry was just slow or they just needed to pivot and kind of like take a break or pull back. Like everyone's gone through that at some point. So I don't see why we can't. Thank you, Miriam. Yes, girl. Because like, <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I just need a little bit of a break and kind of like go back to why I started to begin with. Yeah, take your break. I mean, I get it because when I felt like that, I feel like that like every other month. <laughs> we need to because when you forget why you love it and what the fun of it is, then... I kind of think that comes through a little bit in the work. Okay, perfect. So let's continue to end on this high note because what I want to hear about was you turned 40 this year and you went skydiving. Oh my gosh, do you have to say it? (laughs) I did. Oh my God. So tell us about the skydiving. Let us know. How was it? So... I actually turned that wonderful age in February, but I don't really celebrate my birthday anymore. And it's it's the middle of February. Nobody ever wants to go out. So I just don't even bother. But my friend, her birthday was in September. And a few weeks before, like sometime in August, she was like, I've been thinking, I've always wanted to go skydiving. I think I'm going to do it on my birthday. And I was like, oh, my God, I've always wanted to do it, too. And she's like, oh, you should do it with me. We should do it together. And I was like, no, 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 no. That's like your thing. That's how you're going to celebrate 40. She's like, no, no, no. Come with me. It'll be like our 40th, whatever, like flying into 40. And I was like, are you sure? She was like, yeah. I'm like, okay. So a week before <laughs> we book it. And I think at each stage we were both like, are we really doing this? So it's like you book it. And you're like, oh my God, we booked it. And then it gets closer to the day and they start emailing you and they make you watch these videos and these waivers. And we were like texting each other like, oh my God, did you see the waiver? Did you see this? Did you see that? Like, are we really doing this? And I'm like, look, we're, I guess we're just going to do it. It was just nerve wracking the entire time leading up to it. And actual scheduled skydiving date had to get moved because the morning of it was too windy. So we were like, okay, we'll just like, we'll reschedule it for like another two weeks. So it was like early October and it was just anxiety the entire time from the moment, like I went to bed the night before to the moment, like the morning of getting on the train to Penn to hop on the Long Island Railroad and the drive there. It was just so nerve wracking. And then you have to go through the waivers again when you get there. Ooh, they want to like make sure, like confirm, confirm that you're okay with it. Yeah, like I had to look at a camera and everything. Ooh, because I wonder how many people have backed out, like right when they were supposed to go up. I know. That's a great question. I wonder. Oh my God, because I've always wanted to do that and I feel like I would do it. Then I'm like, would I actually do it? Like, <laughs> Yeah, like would I would I really actually step out of that plane? You know, there was a guy that was jumping because it's six people per plane plus because it's tandem skydiving plus your person, your trainer, I guess you could say. 
and right before the other people were coming back, they make you sit in the chair with your skydiver's name, like where your, your trainer is, so that they know who you are. This guy comes and he's like, who's so-and-so? I don't even remember his name. I think his name was Kyle. Let's just say his name's Kyle. Who's Kyle? I'm Kyle. He's like, all right, how are you feeling? You nervous? You this, you that? Like, that's what they ask everybody. He's like, is this your first time? And he says, this is my first time in a plane. And I thought to myself, if he's doing this, then I better just check myself <laughs> because... <laughs> Was he serious? Yeah, he was serious. It was his first time in a plane, period. Oh, he chose to go skydiving? Wow. Yes, and it was amazing. My friend Amir jumped first, and I was third. And it was so funny because I was telling her afterwards, like, in one second she was there, and then she wasn't. And I was freaking out. I was, like, screaming on the plane, like, oh, my God, oh, my God. I was so nervous. Because I just wasn't expecting her to be gone so fast. Right. Oh, my goodness. So then you step out. And did you see her like far, far away in the distance? No, girl, I'm blind. (laughs) Oh, you're blind? I was the third person. So she was gone. Like, I wasn't even thinking about her. I was just like, I can't believe I'm (laughs) like looking at the earth right now and is it like a fast drop like do you feel that you're falling very fast you don't feel that it's fast but it is fast it is it's only a couple seconds before the parachute actually opens but it's beautiful and i just could not i i had to tell myself to calm down because i think i was like so excited the adrenaline and i was screaming that for a second i was like oh my god i can't breathe i can't breathe and i thought my lungs were gonna explode and i was like chick just shut up and breathe. And I had to take a beat and breathe. And then I was able to like, oh my God, I can't believe I did this. And why did I wait so long? It was scary, but honestly, the most liberating feeling ever. And I just want to do more things that make me feel good and in the moment, you know, because when you're there, you have no choice but to be truly in the moment and not think of anything else. And so much of it, right, is like getting over a fear, like being tormented by fear, but then like pushing past it. Mm-hmm. You know what helped too? I thought about, I mean, I haven't been on a roller coaster in a long time, but when I was younger, me and my sisters and cousins, we were always going the roller coasters like one after the other, you know? And I'm like, that that's just as risky too. So I was hopping in a car, you know, like, I don't know. It just kind of helped me get over the fear and the anxiety that I had, not that it didn't exist that day, because it totally did. But I had to give myself another way to look at it so that I can put into perspective, I guess. Well, I mean, that's great. And happy belated birthday. Thank you. (laughs) All right. Well, Miriam, thank you so much for coming on. I was like really looking forward to talking to you just because I feel like we are, I feel like I don't meet a whole lot of actors that also kind of like have worked corporate jobs and that try to balance both of it. And it was great. Yeah. Thank you for listening. This has been a So Mind Boggling production. Follow along at So Mind Boggling on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook.